Listen in to find out what two key elements every pharmacy team must have to be successful in implementing any new technology. Plus, your exclusive booking period for the Transformation Book Launch is now open. Welcome to the Transformation Show, where successful pharmacy owners and technology partners help you to build a better 21st century pharmacy by embracing technology. Here is your host, Robert Starr. G'day everyone and welcome back to Transformation, the only dedicated podcast in the world where pharmacy and technology collide to bring you, the motivated pharmacy owner, all that you need to start building your smarter, more successful 21st century pharmacy before it's too late. My name's Robert Starr, your host and guide on this fantastic journey of ours. Welcome to episode 20. I cannot believe that those words just came out of my mouth. It has absolutely been a great journey to date. Episode 20 is one of our best and we've got a great interview with Paul Naismith, the CEO of the Fred IT Group coming up and you will be able to, I might add, get a clue to this week's competition. It's been fantastic to get some great responses by Twitter, LinkedIn and also Facebook to the competition as well and we've got a few keen trivia buffs to follow us as well which is fantastic and I will just kick off by announcing the winners of the competition this week, uh, which was um, Trent in far north Queensland and also Nathan in New South Wales. So you guys would have already been contacted, been in touch by message and uh, all the details that you need to accept that are on their way to you. Uh, We're also going to be talking about the exclusive booking period. I'll give you a link uh, in the uh, discussion area of this podcast and also it'll be in the iTunes directory as well where you can go and buy your ticket to the Transformation Book Launch. I have a special discount code for all of our listeners um, which I'll disclose to you in the not too distant future in this episode. But first things first, I just want to get up on my soapbox because there has been quite a few negative things floating around our profession and for our international listeners, welcome. This is going to focus more so on Australian conditions at the moment, but I do know that this also affects uh, your climate as well as a lot of our issues are identical as we found out. So the climate that's been existing over the last couple of weeks has been centred around two bodies, um, the Chemist Warehouse Group and the Consumer Health Forum calling for the deregulation of the profession and also the fact that we've got an oversupply of new graduates as well. And as well as that, we've had our supermarkets trying to get intern pharmacists and pharmacy students to conduct health checks in their supermarkets and pay them an extremely high wage, which was seen by PPA as a great opportunity for pharmacy. I vehemently disagree with that, is that it's really just a ploy to try to pull the whole service into there, but you cannot be having a professional service in a supermarket next to liquor, tobacco, and all sorts of things that are very nasty for you and do nothing for good health. Just my little soapbox thing on that. However, the issue that I did want to talk about was the oversupply of new graduates. Now, you might be thinking for a pharmacy and technology show, this is a a little bit big, but I tend to think that technology plays a really big part. And particularly when we touch on our previous episode, which included an interview with Koz Sklavos. Now, Koz and his pharmacies have been doing extremely well of deploying recent graduates and students 
not in supermarkets, but on the front line of his business and driving the fifth community pharmacy agreement programs and clinical services. Now, how are they able to do this? Well supervised, obviously, but he's got great efficient logistics in his business as well, which has enabled the pharmacy students and the graduates to really be focusing on what we all come out of university as ultimately trained to do, and that's being a clinician. Our, our course always centers around clinical services, and that's where we should be spending our time. As a new pharmacy owner, you come in and you learn more about business because you learn, that's not what they teach you at university, but your clinical skills are really, really sharp when you come out. And it's really important that we expose our recent graduates and students to this line of activity. So as I said last week, I applaud COS for that because it is creating new opportunities. And on the topic of new opportunities, and also it ties in with our show as far as pharmacy and technology, I've come up with, if we do have any young pharmacists, graduates, interns, or if you know any, please get them to listen to this because I think there's some great opportunities for them. And I've just listed my top five. I could go on all day. Uh, and obviously I love being up on my soapbox here, but obviously we've got an interview with Paul to get to, so I won't spend too long. However, my top five are this. So the first opportunity that any new pharmacist or even an intern or a pharmacy student could be doing inside a pharmacy business is creating content for your social media, blog and website. We're typically talking about Gen Y, Gen Z, Gen Alpha, very, very technology savvy savvy people and they'll be a great asset to any pharmacy owner to have one of those in your business to help you with these things. I talk about it because there's never been a better time for a pharmacy owner and a, and a pharmacy to market their business as well through things like social media, blogs, websites and so forth. But obviously you need to have the skills in embracing it and these young pharmacists are going to possess these skills inherently because that is the nature of what they've grown up with. The second one is one that I spoke about at APP just on Twitter, and I've sent this out a number of times, which was that I believe that young pharmacists should be creating business cases and presenting to pharmacy owners about clinical program implementation and how their involvement in the business could be cash flow positive to reduce the risk on the pharmacy owner of taking them on. I think it's a fair call. We'd have some great competitions existing for pharmacy students to put together model case businesses. I think the next step is to go practically and take that into existing community pharmacies and offer that out. The other is e-commerce. I believe that every pharmacy needs to have a digital presence. You need to have a hybrid presence where you've got a physical and a digital presence so that you can sell and market your services the same way you would do in-store but online. So again, another great opportunity to use the savvy generations of young pharmacists to help to roll that out in your business. Or it might be something as simple as rolling out ERX Express or MedAdvisor or Health Notes. Certainly, as, as, as we've spoken, as you'll find out in this episode, there are some very key ingredients for getting these programs off the ground, not to mention the fact that they can sometimes be perceived as more technical and harder to grasp. So having young pharmacists on board to translate that would be a great asset. The fourth one is as an IT training, training leader in the business as well. So helping the older pharmacy owners 
understand some of the technology and actually implement it in the business. There's a lot of great tips that I share on this show. I I can't physically get into 5,500 pharmacies and help every one of you. I honestly wish I could, but I'd love to be able to help young pharmacists to be able to help you be able to do that in your business across our nation. That would be a great goal of mine to try to get that into your business and find young pharmacists to be able to help you do that. The fifth one is implementation. So again, when you have gone through, and obviously we've talked a little bit about the transformation book, you're going to get a lot of content. It's got my best knowledge in that book as well. It's going to have a workbook that you can work through. But I believe you could really benefit if you have a young pharmacist or a new graduate or a student working through that with you to help you try to work out how you're going to implement in that business. And I believe you could give them the greatest responsibility and a really a real big confident, confidence boost to give them the opportunity to take responsibility to help you build your 21st century business. So if this is the moment you're waiting for, the exclusive discount code for listening to this show. I can't wait to bring it to you. I can't wait to see as many of you there as possible. The discount code that you'll enter in on the website and that link will be in the discussion area of this podcast and also uh, on social media as well is episode 20. Not rocket science there, but episode 20, enter that in. You'll get a ticket for $39, not $49. And again, what that includes is you'll get a two course breakfast. You'll get a keynote from me on why there's never been a better time for a pharmacy owner to embrace technology and you'll also get some great insights of some other industries that are kicking some real goals with technology in their business. You get a guest speaker spot from George, MC from Anthony Tassani, our Victorian Guild president and you'll also get a personalised signed copy of the book from me plus some bonuses that I'm not going to reveal just yet that you can only get by attending the launch. I can't wait to see you all there, but there's the code, episode 20, just to be sure. Paul Naismith, welcome to the Transformation Show. Thanks, Robert. Thanks for having me. Oh, look, fantastic to have you on on these uh, nice wintry afternoons in, here in Melbourne. And uh, look, certainly, Paul, um, you know, my, my, my biggest fascination, as I'm sure a lot of our listeners are, being a practicing pharmacist and an existing pharmacy owner as well, is um, when you left university, you know, what, what did you imagine your first pharmacy might look like? And, you know, did it originally have um, aspirations of utilizing technology from the beginning? Oh, no, Rob, that's the funny thing. It, it, it didn't. I mean, when I left university, I went and worked as a hospital pharmacist. So uh, I had these great visions that when I went into hospital, there'd be all this technology. And uh, when I got there, I found it was pretty different. <laughs> it was uh, down in the basement with a typewriter. And uh, I, I was used to running a little business on the side during high school that used all this technology. And when I went into pharmacy, there was, at least in hospital pharmacy in those days, there was none. <laughs> No, absolutely. Look, uh, I think some of the systems, I think I did my internship at Monash Medical Center, that, they were pretty archaic too. So not sure that, that involved, has evolved too much. But um, I, I guess the, the fascinating aspect is, is that what, what happened, I guess, in, when you first got into community pharmacy and perhaps during your journey of community pharmacy that evolved into what Fred is today. So, you know, why did you and the others um, create Fred? Well, as I said, I, I ran a business that used to always use technology to make us look bigger and better than we were. 
And uh, you know, when I when I went into community pharmacy, I'd I'd done some work in the hospital to try to automate some of the systems there and had some success. But the system of you know public hospital was uh, quite slow. The approval process was very slow. And as an entrepreneur, uh, it was only so long you can sort of uh, work in that environment. So when I went into uh, community pharmacy, I was surprised to see that a lot of the technology was there, but it was starting to get a little bit old in the tooth. And it's funny now, looking back 20 years, it's been a long time. But, you know, I, I, I used to find that the systems I had to work with uh, required you to remember everything. And I thought that's what the computers were supposed to do. Uh, the systems had to remember doctor codes and special SIG codes and... I just thought we could do better and maybe out of you know, laziness or whatever you might say, but the motivation was pretty simple. It, I thought, you know, life should be a bit easier being a pharmacist than it tended to be and technology was the way to do it. Yeah, no, look, absolutely. And, uh, you know, look, certainly, I think I think that journey keeps evolving now in terms of, uh, you know, we can have our pharmacies with our best pharmacists and they're almost acting as a repository for the knowledge of our best clients, but they can't be there all the time, can they? <laughs> no, and, and that's the thing, you know, the, the consumer's expectations are, are rising of, of what they expect from the from the technology and pharmacy, and you know, over the 20 years, while well, the systems are involved, they, the consumers and, and the technology in general has evolved faster, and, that, and that's one of the challenges we have going forward. Yeah, no, look, a, a, absolutely, and I think one of the burning questions that um, has come up over a number of our episodes as well um, has also been, you know, these the systems that as they have evolved, but even some of the challenges that we're seeing, and you know, recently we've um, been focusing um, quite a bit on pharmacy automation and the possibilities of automating a lot of the logistics in the background. But the question I might pose to you, Paul, is. Um, what can we do to, I guess, get better integration with these automation systems um, so that it does, you know, take away some of those logistical or double data entry challenges that we're facing at the moment? Yeah, well, I think, I think that's, the, that's the point, Robert. <coughs> when, when you look back over 20 years ago when we started, Fred, um, the, the DOS software then it was pretty unique for you to actually be able to have more than one computer in the, in the pharmacy. I mean, networking computers together was almost a black art. It wasn't, you know, it's hard to think now that, you know, it's so simple to do it. But then it was almost uh, unheard of to have multiple screens in the same store. So when you think about it, you know, 20 years later, some of that architecture that not just Fred has, but all the competing systems we, we have in pharmacy come from that era. Yeah. And therefore, the idea of having, uh, well, today I think Fred supports up to about 30 different integrations to other systems. And some stores, particularly the ones you're talking about, mm. have got um, robotics and uh, internet connections to things like ERX and now ERX Express and Pharmex, the PBS Online. All, all these things weren't really envisaged back in the engineering of those systems. So when, when you look at it, the challenges you're talking about come mm. from you know, an evolution where computers used to be, well, I think I always say, the only thing that Fred talked to then was a floppy disk, yeah. and now in live time it has to talk to up to 30 different systems at the same time. So those integration challenges and you know are, are real, and, and something you can't engineer around without at some stage stopping and having to think about it. 
Yep. And, and is that and is that where we're now saying the development of uh, Fred Next and cloud computing, which a lot of what we're going to talk about today is around, is, is that mm. is that the logical step that may look to best solve these challenges? Well, I, I, th I think so. I mean, the, the reality is our customers don't want a change. Uh, I don't have people ringing me up constantly and saying, please change this um, for, for just because I like change. Uh, I think at this stage, most people are pretty happy if the systems stay the same and they don't have to learn anything new. But at the same time, they're coming to me and they're saying, well, you know, our, customers are, our customers want things on their telephone, they want access remotely, they, they want to have uh, Twitter feeds, they want you know, mobile-optimised websites. So the consumers are saying to the, the pharmacists, we, we want better technology. And the pharmacists are saying, well, you know, we want you, Fred, to provide some of that for us. And at the same time, uh, we're saying, well, our ability to keep adding uh, on top of what we already have at some stage needs a rethink. And, and today, with the evolution of the cloud and, and improvements in, in the technology and the security and even the Internet in this country, today is the time to actually have that, time, that conversation and make the decision on you know, the line in the stand and saying, let's start again. Let's um, let's uh, re-engineer from the ground up for that future that that is fully connected. Mm, no, I, I, absolutely. And so, obviously, Fred Next, you know, launched at APP, um, you know, back in March now. So, ha how have you seen that journey evolving? I know we've seen, and I'm quite fascinated to see George and uh, Zoe's journey in the uh, Fred Next cartoons. But uh, I guess, what can you tell our listeners as to how Fred Next has evolved this year? I, I thought it was, you know, certainly a sensational move to see. You know the CEO of the company yourself implementing it first in your pharmacy. So what what have you seen at the coalface? Well, uh, it is an evolution. There's, there's no way you can take 20 years of intellectual property and, and replace it overnight. Um, we, while we announced Fred Next back in in March at APP, we've been actively working on it for 18 months prior to that. Um, but it's a huge project. It's not just replacing the dispensary software. It's replacing the point of sale the back office, uh, the mobile apps, and introducing new concepts that weren't really envisaged in the past, such as clinical applications. So it, it's, a, it's a monstrous project uh, and a huge team here that are, are working on it. Um, but like all things Fred does, it is an evolution. Um, and having built multiple products over the years, uh, sometimes two or three versions, the original version of DOS Fred and then Windows Fred or Winifred, uh, two versions of POS. Uh, we're pretty used to uh, the pains and the trials and tribulations of a new, bringing a new product to market. But this time, it's a little bit bigger. It's, um, we've got new shareholders here with Telstra coming on board. Um, and you know, we have such a great market share and great support from our customers. The expectations are really high. So the, the way the project's been run this time is, you know, uh, well, an evolution in the way we do our projects, but it's a, it's a massive project with a very talented uh, project team. But the, they, they do all the work, they've done all the, the original testing, they've done uh, user acceptance, and we've had a great panel of pharmacists that have given feedback. But as always, um, I still believe that you only find out lots of things when it gets into your store. Mm. And that's and that's why you know on some weekends when I get up to go work in the pharmacy I think I'd rather be taking the kids to sport. But you know, in reality, the, one of the things I think is our secret of our success is that 
you know, we still are close to the products and we still are very close to the problems we're trying to solve. So putting it into my store, which we only did last month, is the first of that step. Um, and uh, it's, it's, a, it's a challenging step, I must say that. Uh, for my poor partner and uh, my pharmacist that work for me, it's, it's been 20 years of uh, products that are half finished and, um, and not without their challenges. So you know, I always thank them for it, but uh, they do a, a great job. And so we've had a lot of the, the Fred Quality Assurance team, a lot of the product managers, uh, even some of the support team down in the pharmacy, uh, watching the pharmacists use the product and getting real-world feedback. And you know, based on that feedback, that will determine our, our timeframes and, and how we're going. Uh, for me, uh, where we are today, I, I'm more than happy. Uh, we're concentrating on the hard part for us, which is, is the dispensary part. That's the bit that has... Know, a huge amount of new code in it, um, and uh, that's that's where we're focusing at the moment, and, and that's going well. The feedback from the pharmacists have been positive, um, but it's still got a long way to go, um, and uh, and that's part of the journey that Fred's all about. No, absolutely. And uh, in ter- in terms of um, in terms of um, where we're also at as well. Um, from uh, always going to have a phone that's going to go off in one of those yeah. things, isn't there? That's um, <laughs> yours. Okay. Absolutely. Uh, look at you know it is a real show. We're not we're not robots. We do live and work in environments. Um, but um, look, I guess the, the fascinating side of it is is um, and as it is with any pharmacy environment, when you're implementing a new program, and you know I could imagine that's going to be no, no more close to home when you do that in your own pharmacy. Um, but how, how do you assess the, the period where, you know, Fred Next is ready to take into my pharmacy? You know, I'd never expect a pharmacy owner to be buying a product off the shelf or buying Fred Dispense and expect that there's going to be hiccups and so forth. And obviously sometimes when there's updates with all sorts of programs that can happen. Mm-hmm. But at what point do you decide that's a, that's a good time to implement that? Well, I, I, I think, as I say, it's a bit of a journey. And we have people that, in this process, um, through the pre-promotion of, of the product, we've offered uh, people who are interested in the product to let us know. And, and we've had about 500 people uh, respond to that um, invitation. And I must say, in about 10% of those, the, the people are saying they want the product early and they want to be involved in that testing process. So I think that's always a brave, uh, brave person that wants to do that. So we do have a great group pharmacists that want to be on the edge and, and, and mm. try uh, try to be involved in that process and you know over the over the time that we've been running Fred it's always been that there's half a dozen people that are brave and, and take that journey with us yeah. but as I say we, we have a lot of uh, we have a lot of legacy there we have a lot of heritage there that the expectations as you as you mentioned are high um, so we have a very formal process of you know obviously bug counts and uh, and user feedback uh, surveys that we'll go through before we release it. But yeah. in the end of the day, Robert, I, I, I'm the one here that takes the brunt if it's working or it's not. So yeah. when I work with it, and if I'm not happy with it, it's not going out the door. And uh, you know, that's always been the way. Yeah. And um, you know, when, when someone rings me and says this doesn't work, and I didn't know about that, you know, I'd like to be able to be say, well, I understand that. I've seen that myself. Or you know, it's a very hands-on approach. But yeah. you know, I'm, I. You generally know when it's right, but with all these products, you know, the first few sites, the first dozen sites, the first 20, the first 50, uh, they're, they're people we really got to thank and, um, 
and they provide the basis for the rest of the you know, two or 3,000 uh, customers that will eventually follow. No, absolutely. And so at this point in time, it's in your pharmacy for the last month. Um, when would you expect to see your first group of, um, of Fred Pilot stores to be taking up Fred Next? We're still hopeful we'll get in a small group pre-Christmas. Um, and, and as I say, the list of things that we're working through are being assessed at the moment and we'll make some decisions in the next month about whether that's realistic or not. But, you know, it's still our expectation that we'll have some uh, live non-Paul sites and, uh, this, mm. this, this year, this yeah. calendar yeah. year. But, you know, as I say, it, it tends to move a little bit and uh, we're under no uh, technical pressure to, to rush it out the door. Yeah. But as I say, I, I like getting out into real sites because it's when you get the real feedback and um, our, our customers have always led the innovations and told us which ones we've got right and which ones we've got wrong. And I don't want to change that. Yeah, no, look, absolutely. And look, I get from, from my perspective, you need to be applauded for not only putting it into your pharmacy, but obviously taking that brave step of innovating, even when it's not being physically demanded by the existing customers. I think, you know, that that type of technology of, you know, as you mentioned, of having uh, remote applications or having mobile applications demanded by consumers, it's so important that we're listening to what our patients want and, uh, being able to provide that. So I, I, I think that's fantastic. Um, in terms of cloud computing in general, um, you know, where do you see pharmacy owners getting the, the, I guess, the best the best benefits from it? And what would you recommend that they start with? Obviously, Frednext is going to be a little while away for a general release, but, you know, to get the best benefits of cloud computing, what do you see as being those things that pharmacy owners could look at right now? Well, as you said, Robert, the, the main purpose since we released Fred Next was to get people to you know, bone up on the skills about what cloud computing is and the benefits that are available to them today and, and going forward. So it is a part of an education, a wider education process that you know, not just Fred, but people like yourself are helping um, uh, people learn about. But practically, there's quite a lot of uh, cloud computing in pharmacy today as it, as it stands. It's just people don't really recognise it as such. I mean, the fact that you know 90% of electronic orders go through the Pharmex gateway, uh, an innovation that we were involved in bringing to the market, that's a pure cloud ordering platform. Um, ERX uh, in the cloud and even PPS Online are in the cloud. So those, those three services that pharmacists rely on every day now are, are cloud services. And I don't think people really see it as such um, because you know the end the end presentation still for predominantly through a um, uh, on-premise uh, piece of software. Yeah. That's a, so there's a fair bit of cloud computing around there, but on a practical basis, the the, the most uh, useful thing pharmacists can look at is their data security and and how they back up their data. And the cloud is um, probably the, the safest and uh, uh, the most efficient way to, to have the ultimate data security of having a version of your backup off-site. And that used to be really hard to do. Um, I remember when we built our first off-site backup service for Fred, you know, we had to have our own servers and we had to have a massive amount of storage and, uh, and, and that was a complicated uh, process. And today, uh, off-site cloud backups are uh, easier to do, uh, lower cost. And as I say, as, as, uh, as the cloud gets better, uh, it helps us deal with some of the high risk things that are occurring with on-premise uh, storage and, and computers and 
And I think that's probably a great place to start, um, securing your data in, in the cloud and having a copy of your data offsite. Mm, no, absolutely. And I think a lot of uh, pharmacy owners and probably business owners in general approach cloud with such trepidation thinking, well, you know, where is it going? How's it being looked after? And I, I wonder if you buy into the same analogy that I look at. And I think it was best explained to me that, you know, cloud computing is much the same way as, um, you know, taking air travel and that if you want to, you know, have your own private plane, you need to learn how to maintain it, tune the engine, refuel it, you know, do everything everything that's required to keep it safe so that you can get from A to B on that plane or you could buy a seat on an A380 which you know is obviously an Emirates or a Qantas or something like that and mm. the, and it's maintained to a much higher degree than you could ever have the export expertise to do is, is that you know a, a rough explanation that you, you would buy into yeah I, I mean I think I think there's there's plenty of ways and plenty of analogies to, to put it but you know whichever way it is you know we don't I think one of the better ones even is, you know, we, we don't own a power station to get electricity. And um, and to me, that's when people realise, you know, you, in power you pay for what you use. You don't worry about digging up the coal and, and boiling up the water and, and getting the steam going. And, and that's probably, you know, that and your analogy. There's, there's plenty of them, but it's a move towards that. And I think it's a move um, that has to happen in a sensible in a sensible way. Yeah, uh, I, I think some of the early cloud products, and you know, we we've had cloud solutions at Fred for many years. And originally, our multi-store solution, uh, New HQ, was a cloud product. So I remember that generation where you know the the promise and the delivery uh, not always matched up, as the internet var- variability and speed across the country always tripped us up. Yeah. Um, outages that used to occur when you know, people. Yeah, their, their modem dial-ups to make the internet work. So I think there's quite a lot of, um, I don't know, history about people being concerned about trusting the internet to run their business. So I think, you know, part of part of what we're trying to do with, you know, things like off-site backup and, and promoting the services that are already there is remind them that, you know, that they're, they're a, a sensible way to get into the cloud. But same, same with uh, Fred Next. Fred Next doesn't rely 100% on the internet being there all the time. While it's a better product when the internet's available, uh, we've also engineered the product to make sure that it can survive if the internet's not available. So we haven't 100% cloudified the product because we don't think it's a sensible approach while you know, pre-MBN and pre some of the uh, challenges in some of the remote locations, to rely 100% on the cloud is not something that I can sensibly say to people today that you know, I could promote. Mm. To trying to to find that balance between, you know, the benefits the internet brings and the simplicity that the cloud can survive um, on its own. uh, And I I think trying to find that balance is really what we're doing today. We're we're on a journey towards when one day we we won't need any um, computing power in the store. Now, we're not there yet. It's it's a a little way away. But Frednext is that step towards the engineering that will allow it. And when it's sensible, we'll slowly and surely remove more and more infrastructure out of the store and um, trust the internet more and more, but not today. No, 
on its way. Absolutely. And, you know, look, I've always maintained, um, you know, particularly in, in our stores is that, you know, we never recruit people for their IT skills. And uh, to take that uh, reliance on your own team to, you know, look after, look after the retail sections, look after your patients in different clinical areas, and also be an IT person at the same time. It just doesn't work and those skill sets are very hard to cross over. So any systems that obviously take that maintenance away and obviously some of our IT maintenance providers do a great job with that, but you still mm. need to have you know some contact with the store, whether it be remote access or so forth. So to take that out, would you know, I certainly would see that as a great panacea for us to get to. Yeah, well, uh, I mean, it's, it's getting more and more. Now, if you look under the bench in your in your pharmacy today, Robert, there's hundreds of plugs and wires, and uh, you know, I, my wife being a pharmacist, you know, she's my greatest critic. And when, when our support people say the old, well, you know, have a look and see if a wire's fallen out under the bench, you know, she just cracks it. You know, that's it's almost impossible to get somebody to work out what's going on with the the wires and the cables and the under the bench. So. You know, we, we, we all struggle from that. And, and as I say, part of me still working is to remind me how hard it is to run yeah. your pharmacy when things don't work. And, you know, as I say, the expectation that it's on all the time, it works all the time, and the, and the customers uh, served in, in, in seconds is growing. And unfortunately, the, the technology or, or the um, investment in some case in, in the infrastructure to deliver that at a store level just hasn't kept up. And mm. When the two don't meet, it's not a happy it's not a happy experience for for us as your provider and and for you as your customers. It needs to be um, something we consider going forward because the expectations are growing and uh, the complexity is growing and and the systems need to grow with it. Yeah, look, absolutely. And, and as we've spoken about quite a number of times on, on transformation, we've spoken about even the ingenuity and the innovation around wearables. And, you know, I was talking with Coz in our, la in our last interview about, you know, the expectation of having, you know, wearable devices, whether it be blood pressure monitors or um, weight scales at home or other health devices communicating with clinical systems. There was a great example when um, Apple launched their health kit a few or it would have been the start of June. And, um, you know, there was the Mayo Clinic that was getting notified when a patient's blood pressure from a remote device was was too high. And, you know, we, we spoke about last week in terms of a pharmacy really being that destinational hub to be able to receive those alerts, process them, and obviously make the appropriate recommendations. So I guess around things like that, Paul, like, and again, we've just spoken about how complex all the integrations are. Is that something that you foresee interfacing with, you know, the next generation of Fred? No, for sure. I mean, and that's part of it. Without without a re-engineering of what's going on in the background, uh, adding additional services only add additional headaches for the uh, pharmacist. And, uh, you know, it, it's quite simple now if you've got the right engineering to add new services. I mean, for example, when, when we looked at um, trying to get a consumer app together for to help with ERX, um, we had a choice. We could either integrate back into the original systems and extend FRED and extend Corum and extend MINFOS, or we can make a decision to uh, build a total cloud platform and, uh, and have a look at the difference. So what we did with ARS Express is we made that decision that we would put it on a separate tablet. Now, uh, some of the feedback I got from people said, you know, we, we want it all integrated. We don't want a separate device. But it, it was a chance for us to try something different. Now, when we used to integrate back into everybody's system one by one, it'd take us six to 12 months just to negotiate 
the agreements we'd need to do that, plus then the programming time to get get it done. Now, the Envision is a consumer ordering their script via AirX Express. Uh, from the day we, we, we thought of bringing it to market to the day we bought was less than six months. Now, we can never do that with the old engineering. Uh, and it was our way of learning that, you know, by using the cloud and, and modern programming languages, not only did we bring that to the tablet, but we also brought it to Android, to iPhone, and to Windows Phone, all three phone platforms in under six months. Yeah. Now, you can do that that or any of the other, the other things that you propose, you can mm. do that if the engineering's right. But without the right engineering in the background, you know, you're just adding more pipes on top of, you know, uh, rusted out infrastructure underneath. And, yeah. and I think it's a good example, whether it be that or the wearables. And, and Coz, you know, Coz is a visionary. I, you know, I've worked with Coz for, for most of my 20 years and, and some of the ideas that we brought to market, uh, you know, he and I spoke about <laughs> 15 years ago. You know, he's a, he's a great visionary in technology and he's been saying to me a long time, it's going to come, the advent of the Fitbit or, as you say, the Apple devices. Um, and, and I agree, pharmacy is a great place uh, if the technology requires uh, people to have a hand to uh, upload their data. You know, pharmacy is a, a great place for that. Mm, but no. more likely, there'll be the people that can actually help you understand what's what's on the screen. And, and that's the thing that I think is a great role for us going forward. Absolutely. And and, that, and that's where we're not seeing it at the moment in our community pharmacies and even hospital pharmacies where there may be a benefit. We're seeing the devices in, you know, high proliferation in Harvey Norman, good guys. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, they're the guys who are leading the way as far as selling them. Um, mm. But in terms of the recommendations and how that could really hyper-personalise our level and of our involvement with our patients, mm. I think we need to be just taking that extra step in the role. But um, I think to date, I think we've got um, HealthPoint doing the eye health range in uh, pharmacies at the moment. But yeah, there's I haven't seen too many other any other wearable devices in pharmacies yet. So as I, as I have in previous episodes, all about all of our listeners really should have a look at that at the moment. Yeah, I, I was in JB Hi-Fi the other day, and you know they've got a massive wall of devices and. No, I think that's part of it, you know, uh, not understanding um, the technology market and how to buy and sell technology pieces of equipment. And, you know, they're worried about the cost and they go out of date quickly and there's always something new. So I can understand why people are concerned. But but certainly I think our, our role is is to bring those bits of information together into a you know, comprehensive uh, view. And, and that's part of the thing that's missing today is we haven't got that um, single view of the data, whether it comes from a device sold Harvey Norman or whether it comes from a pharmacy across the street. Um, you know, the consumer doesn't have that all in one view and especially the medication part. The medication part is still one of my bigger disappointments is that here we are 20 years later and we still have islands of dispensary data um, sitting in every store and um, we, we've got to fix that. And uh, while the uh, work we did with the uh, PCHR enabled the technology to do that, uh, you know, it's been a little bit slow in the policy to back that up, to roll that out to the consumer. But, you know, that, that's still one of the big challenges we have is you know, bringing the data together and enabling the patient to have the benefit of all this technology can bring. 
No, absolutely. And I, thought, I think when you touch on the PCHR, or that may become um, my HR pretty soon, um, mm. the MedView project, which was to get that single um, single medication view of every medicine dispensed from any pharmacy for a particular patient, um, mm. has, that, has that grown from the, the Barwon Health area? Yeah, well, the MedView project was funded by the government to prove the concept, and, and Barwon, that's where we did prove that. And, and the beautiful thing down there was that the involvement of not just the GPs and the local community pharmacists, but the data from the Geelong Hospital came in and out of the system. And, you know, the hospital pharmacists loved seeing what was happening in the community and, and, the, and the community pharmacists loved to see what happened in the hospital, especially on discharge. And you know, yeah. we all know that they turn up with their... Um, a couple of tablets on no idea of what's actually happened to their medication. So Barwon showed the, the, the value of it. And, and from the Barwon project, uh, Medview became uh, the MPDR or the National Prescription and Dispense Record Depository. And, and that's part of the PCHR. So, so it grew from that trial in, into a national project. And, uh, and that's what's available today. And any pharmacy who wants that, uh, in their pharmacy can uh, ask for it and uh, depending on your vendor you can have that integrated but it's you know it's it's it requires the security requires you to get a, you know accredited for the PCHR and and it also requires your customers to sign up for it and you can assist them in doing that in this assisted registration but you know it's it's not a simple consumer friendly process that everybody is going to jump on and that's what we're working with. And as you say, the reviews happened of, of that project and the recommendations are to simplify it and make it more consumer friendly and to involve more clinicians, especially with the doctors. So I think, you know, there's a bit of a journey to go, but I think pharmacy showed that our willingness to share our data and our willingness to share our data for the benefit of our customer really put us in a good position. And I see more and more that every, every cost-benefit analysis on e-health uh, one of the driving uh, factors for that cost-benefit analysis is prescription drug misadventure. And, you know, we have the ability, we have the technology now to bring that together and stop those um, uh, challenges that really shouldn't happen today. So I'm, I'm fairly optimistic, but we're not quite there yet. Mm, no, absolutely. And certainly if that recommendation to change it to a um, opt-out instead of opt-in uh, will certainly, you know, make that data more accessible and more usable and then hopefully um, have a higher cl clinician interactivity and uh, you know I think it was that stat that you know still blows my mind that we had a 1.5 million registrants but I think only 6,000 were actively using the PCHR which uh, yeah isn't a great start so hopefully that recommendation gets up and we can you know, obviously see some more data going through there. So Paul I thought I might also track on that that you know Frednex is by far in a way the, the the biggest and the most innovative thing that Fred's doing at the moment um, but just even coming back to uh, obviously the market leading dispense and uh, and pos that you do um, operate you know what do you look at in terms of um, when you know a Fred person comes into a pharmacy what do you look as you know them being ready to implement some of your technology and um, you know also you know perhaps even in the last year with a number of new things coming up um, any of these things that you've seen some particularly good stories in pharmacies where they have t taken up the best benefits of some of your technology? Oh, it's, it's always a challenge that I, I think we all underestimate is the ability to get people to change behaviour and, and especially professional behaviour. And 
We've seen some of that through the uh, advent of the uh, Fifth Agreement, some of the programs, how difficult it is to roll them out without systemised change. And I think it's always what we underestimate. I, I know I did. I, I mean, when we introduced ERX as a, as a concept, you know, I, I, I thought that, that that wouldn't be a problem. We should get that rolled out in uh, about 18 months because the benefits were clear that, you know, you didn't have to type, you didn't have to make mistakes. And, and I thought that would be an easy change management process. So, here we are five years later and, uh, you know, I, I can probably say now that uh, I think that it's more uh, 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 over the tipping point, but just. And that's you know, five years of, uh, uh, of pushing uh, with, with subsidies and innovation and uh, everything we could do to, to, to implement practice change so that we don't have to type all day. Yeah. And, 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 you know, so, so I suppose I look and say, well, things take longer. And there's always, as you say, there's always champions that give you that hope that eventually you'll get there uh, when you introduce new technology. And, and I've seen that. I mean, this time around with ERX Express, you know, it's uh, it's a concept that, you know, some people don't want to wait in line. Some people want to use the smartphone to all their scripts. And we've got some stores, we've got about 500 stores that have that product in there. And some stores are doing hundreds of scripts and some are doing none. And we know they've got the same technology. We've got the know, even sometimes the same demographic. But as always, Robert, it, it is up to the team that's in that pharmacy and their enthusiasm for change or their enthusiasm for new services for their customers. And I don't think it, whether it's technology or any of the other programs that hmm. implement change in pharmacy, it's always, by and large, comes down to the owner, the team, and the motivation they have to implement change for their customers. And I don't think it's any different um, today with technology or, or any other thing. Mm. And, and and if you had to pick one aspect of really the most successful or the champions that you've seen that they've done particularly well, what do you think they did differently um, to others? And you know, do you think that that was one of the key reasons why they were successful? Uh, it's, it's definitely uh, being able to communicate communicate to their customer benefits, whether that be the benefits of electronic scripts or the, the benefits of getting a PCHR or any of those benefits, anyone who can communicate um, uh, to, to their customers one-on-one -on -one succeeds. Yeah. I think that's one of the great things about pharmacy. You know, they have a very good trust relationship with, it, with, their, with their customers. And if you, if you use that uh, and you're willing to be out there and talk to the customers about the benefits and show them the benefits, you know, those people are the ones that by far are successful in implementing change. And I think that's, as I say, it's the same in all the fifth pharmacy agreement programs, the meds checks, um, you know, the HMRs, all those things. It's those that can communicate um, and motivate in a bigger team, being able to motivate your team, uh, you know, look at what's in it for them as well as what's in it for the customers. And and maybe with electronic scripts, we underestimated that, you know, some people would feel threatened by change. And, um, you know, I, I, I think we certainly underestimate people's resistance to change and, and what motivates them to resist change. And technology at some stage is quite often um, uh, bringing efficiencies that not everybody wants. Yeah. And we've got to recognise that too. So it's those that can motivate and those that communicate well, they always have the success in the new programs and they're the first to put their hand up to me and say, what's next? I want to see what's next. Yeah. But as I say, our, our success can only come if we can bring those innovations across a wider audience. 
Yeah. Because we can be successful in 10 pharmacies, but unless we're successful and create a network that works across the country in most cases, uh, the, the technology won't, um, won't survive. Oh, look, absolutely. And I think every, every, every new technology or innovation, it doesn't have to be technology, always has an early adopter phase. And mm. it's only once you get to that general, general population that it becomes, you know, the norm. And, you know, obviously for a while, you know, there was a lot of trepidation around using, uh, uh, web and mobile for banking purposes uh, once that became mainstream I don't think anyone would consider lining up for a teller in, in any branch again um, so you know no. I, 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 I often see a lot of parallels there that you know people saw that their money was high, you know highly highly um, I guess scrutinized area that you know potentially could open up privacy problems and so forth and health data is probably not too dissimilar um, but if people can access accept it in a financial sense then I think uh, health you know probably has a, has a better chance than before that um, and Paul also when when pharmacy owners have implemented one of your products as well um, how, how does Fred also ensure that, you know, once they've implemented and obviously they've seen the benefits and, um, you know, got, the first couple of weeks have gone quite well, what does Fred do to ensure that the, um, the patients and also the pharmacy owners get the maximum benefits from those products as well? Well, well certainly, that, that, that's the other challenge, I think, as we go forward is how to keep, uh, keep educating change because these products never stay the same. I mean, we added new features to ERS Express last month that allows to do the script reminder functions. But, you know, as you say, the challenge is how do we keep everybody up to date? Now, you know, from a cost basis, uh, just like this sort of uh, electronic interview uh, podcast, yeah. Yeah. You know, we, we want to use new technologies to educate. And, you know, while that's the most cost-effective and time-effective method, um, you know, there, there is a resistance to that. There's still a, a very big requirement expectation on us to provide one-on-one -on -one training and you know we're using products like Fred Next to push the boundaries around that um, we recognize that you know pharmacies are under pressure uh, financial pressure through the reform process we we know our ability to add costs uh, are going to be difficult going forward so we've got to look at providing options to people that want to self-serve uh, that education that support and, and online training is is a key part and we've invested a huge amount of money in the Fred Academy for support of Fred Next when that comes to market, yep. and we see that you know that self-serve approach to uh, continuing that education uh, of the product um, and the benefits of that product uh, has to be moved to an online process because you know we're a big country. Um, our ability to pay uh, for trainers to sit there and repeat is always going to be difficult going forward. Yeah, and, and I think you'd find that there's a lot of crossover in a lot of the same scenarios. And, uh, you know, obviously, if that approach is being taken to, you know, fix problems as they come or to document them, you know, and making that available to, you know, the general user group, it's certainly going to um, apply to many, many droves of pharmacists, not, not only just the one who's, um, you know, having that single problem. Yeah, well, we, we're so used to it now to, to do a bit of self-service, but you know, that those that want a self-service and those that want full service. And I think going forward, there needs to be a, a recognition of the fact that there's got to be a different cost factor for, for those that want to do the work themselves and those that want to pay for it. And that's, that's the challenge going forward with all these new models is to try to adapt them to uh, the market. And, you know, 
I have some people that don't want to know about technology. They don't want to know it at all. They just want it to not be their problem. And if they're willing to pay for that, um, then we should be able to provide it. But similarly too, the next generation, uh, you know, they've got uh, large, large debts on pharmacies. They've got large cost pressures and they prefer to sort things out themselves. And I think we need to be able to cater for that as well. Yeah, no, look, absolutely. And Paul, I'm, I'm going to ask my last question, or I do love asking this one because I'd, I'd love to know, like obviously Fred Next is, you know, the next wave from Fred, but I, I know that uh, being the entrepreneur that you are, there may be something else. But what would be the, uh, the biggest game-changing technology that if time or resources were no barrier, uh, what would you love to implement in pharmacies today? I'd just like to speed up what we've got on the drawing board today. I mean, if we could have another 100 people, um, you know, I'd like to bring it to market quicker. Because as I said earlier, you know, what, what we're putting in with Fred Next is is the backward plumbing and making sure that we've got a great architecture for the future. And it's what we can add to that um, that's really where the excitement part is. As you mentioned before, the wearables, the data inputs, um, iBeacons. Uh, I saw one of your podcasts yeah. on Beacon. Yeah. You know, we've done some great little prototypes around some of those technologies, but you know, there's no point bringing it to the market on top of the existing architecture. All it does, as I say, is, is create issues rather than solve problems. But there's so much exciting stuff coming. Um, and certainly as a pharmacist, the move towards clinical service, appointment scheduling, uh, full histories, including not just OTC, prescription drugs and services, we had to bring that all together in a, in a modern way. And, you know, they're all plans we have on the table. And uh, if I could get rid of the resources challenge and the <laughs> of running a business, hmm. you know, they give me a couple of hundred more people and I just love to do it faster. And um, But, you know, as I say, some things just take time to be uh, brought to market in a sensible way. And that's what I hope we always do with Fred is balance the, the probable and the impossible and, and come up with a sensible solution for everybody. Uh, absolutely. Look, Paul, it's been sensational. We've, we've covered a, a wide range of issues in cloud computing and obviously all the all the benefits that are going to be coming, hopefully, in the not-too-distant future to Fred Next and Fred customers. But uh, great having you on the show and uh, look forward to having you back in the not-too-distant future. No, thanks a lot. It was really enjoyable. Thank you. Thanks, Paul. Well, motivated pharmacy owners, there you have it. Cloud computing in pharmacy and where we are right now. It's always great to hear from one of the market leading brands about where they're taking it. And I think it's a fantastic step for Fred to be innovating whilst they are the market leader. Um, the pressure certainly, as Paul has said, coming from the customers, and that's really where it's got to get driven from. Ourselves as pharmacy owners, you know, we're not going to be driven um, by anything else other than the importance to our customers, and it's great that that feedback has reached the top, and uh, Fred Next is well and truly on its journey. My three key learnings is, number one, actually, it's not number one, it's just don't have your fixed line phone on when you're doing an interview. Um, I'm sure a few of you might have got a giggle from that. Uh, but really, number one is you need to learn about cloud computing. As Paul mentioned, I think the key is right now, while it is evolutionary in pharmacy, we need to be educating ourselves on what opportunities there are around education. 
A great starting point can even be data security. For those of us who are sick and tired of the old days of tape drive backups, floppy disk backups, USB drives, needing to take them home, bring them back to the pharmacy, alternate them, I think it's a great starting point for us if we aren't already on that journey of doing our offsite backup uh, via the cloud computing. And that's really just taking a, so a solid capture of your most important files putting it in a secure server environment where it's being looked after. And that way you can pull that down if the unfortunate thing was to happen and you were to lose access to those files, they got corrupted or worse, there may be some other disruption to your service as well. I think that's a great start. But certainly 99% of everything we've spoken about in all of our episodes now, and we are in episode 20, have been cloud computing based. So if you are a listener to this show or if you've just tuned in, you're in the right place. Cloud computing is what we're talking about 99% of the time. Um, so really that was more like one and two because one, two was actually about how we're going to do that in our pharmacies. But certainly I think the, um, the, the third one there as well was really just taking the learnings about technology implementation in our pharmacies is a change management situation. We're doing things differently. Technology by definition is the way we work and the technology allows us to work more effectively and allow us to reduce our operating costs. And by using that time that we take away from operating our pharmacies, we can donate that into creating patient-centric pharmacies. And obviously that smart technology is what's gonna do it for us. So taking Paul's learnings on board there, the best pharmacies or the champions of our industry that are doing the best are doing two things really well. They're communicating the benefits of the technology to their customers the best, and therefore they're being successful in all their implementation, whether it be PCEHR, whether it be meds checks, HMRs, and using technology solutions to help them run that more efficiently. And the second one is having a motivated team. Obviously, the catalyst has to come from us as pharmacy owners. That's an absolute given. But you need to have a motivated team that are going to embrace this new workflow and actually see how it improves the operation of your business and it allows you to spend more time with your patients every day. And that's the key so that we can really use that to provide health outcomes that give them the personal and health freedom that they have to spend time however they wish. Well, there we have it, episode 20 done and dusted. Once again, the micro transformation isn't at the end of these episodes. I've had a think about it during the week and I think the micro transformations may work best as a shortened podcast that I can send out to you during each week. I think they do get far too long when I put that on at the end of the interview and sometimes that does hamper the amount of content we can cover in the interview. So it will just be a standalone as well. I'll forward more details as it comes to hand. Did you get your promo code? Tip, have a listen just before Paul Naismith's interview. It might give you a little clue as to what it is. But also, listen to the interview because that will give you your best clues as to what the answer to our competition question is that's coming out on Monday. So if you've missed it, Go back, have a listen again, and uh, all the details there. Guys, have a great week, and I look forward to speaking to you again next week. Bye for now.